This is the MIBTOnline.com podcast featuring recordings from our weekly and monthly live streaming meetings. To see the videos discussed in the podcast and be part of the discussion, please consider joining our association at MIBTOnline.com. Now, here's the show. Hello, everyone. Tim Kiefer, MIBTOnline.com. Welcome to our Wednesday night meeting at 7 p.m. Central. Time to talk some football right here at MIBTOnline.com as well as other officiating as we move forward. So I want to thank everybody for being here. We're pushing our membership almost 450 strong now. So we appreciate that. Subscribers, people watching, thanks for your support. Thanks for being here. That's all we're trying to do is make everybody better. Right now we're trying to make everybody better at football officials since we just started the season, most, most of us across the country. I think everybody's got some game under their belt at least moving forward. So uh, we're, we're excited to talk and get better here tonight. So thank you for being here. Um, let's just uh, run through our PowerPoint here real quick. So it's our September 1st meeting. Welcome to September. It's amazing how fast time flies. We're just in August now. It's September. So we'll have some announcements. Play of the week review. We're going to talk about that. Our, our presentation tonight is line of scrimmage. But you notice I didn't say line of scrimmage officials or wing officials or working the line. This is a, a, a presentation that we all need to be involved in. Referees, umpires, back judges, it's going to involve you as well because it's important to know what's going on in the line of scrimmage. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. We'll have our new play of the week for this week, which is going to be a lot of fun. And we'll take some questions and then uh, we'll see what happens. So tonight, our uh, meeting schedule. Don't forget, we're going to be doing this here weekly, 7 p.m. Central. Starting next week, we're going to start breaking down plays. I've already got a bunch of plays that have been sent in to me. Thank you so much for that. That's what makes us better. When we make mistakes or we do good things, bad things, whatever, we can all learn and get better. You send me your plays, we can discuss them, and I really appreciate that. So we're going to have those up and ready to go starting next week, so you don't want to miss that, 7 p.m. Central. Like I said, send me your plays. If you've already sent them to me, great. As you start to continue to get some more, continue to send those in. Um, for you basketball officials out there who happen to be with us, and uh, tell your basketball friends, hey, we're going to start basketball meetings in October, and we're going to bring on a new basketball guy. We're looking forward to that. We're, it's, we're still finalizing some of the details. He's a great speaker, great uh, basketball clinician. We're looking forward to having him. We'll have more details on that. But basketball meetings will start in October, so tell your basketball friends to come on over here to MIBtownline.com. And we've got something extra tonight. So after the meeting, after the actual meeting is over, stick around for the extra live thing tonight that you want to be with us. So consider yourself lucky that you're watching the live version. Don't worry if you're watching this on demand. You'll see it at some other point. But tonight, if you're watching live, stick around. You're going to see that little extra thing. So don't want to miss it. So we're going to get to the play week. But before we do that, we want to say hello to our panel. And we've got the panel with us tonight. All ready to go, ready to go right on time. So we really appreciate that. First off, I'm going to have Alex, who's over there running, the, running the, uh, behind the fake glass in the control room. He's in the control room tonight. We actually got him back in the control room, so that's good. So Alex is over there. Um, I have him put up the text line. So remember, you can text us any questions, comments, or anything that you have. We've got Robert Ybarra over to my left in Studio 1B. He's paying attention here to the text. And so, uh, Robert, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Tim. Let's have a great meeting. I'm excited about it. Football's upon us. Let's learn something. All right. So I appreciate you being here. And then Mike Billica, who's not in his car. He's actually back in his house, in his office. 
Mike's with us. Mike, how are you? Doing great. It's uh, so exciting. The football season is upon us. Uh, so love being part of this panel too. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you taking some time to join us. And of course, uh, this man's getting ready to go on the road. You're going to see him on TV on ESPN. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing what he has to say as the games start this weekend. Bill Lamagne. Bill, how are you doing? Hey, glad to be here. Looking forward to this weekend. Uh, Georgia Clemson on Saturday and then um, Old Miss and uh, Louisville on Monday night. So busy couple days. Busy weekend. So personally, I'm going to be getting on a plane myself on Friday and going to, to Southern California and making my Orange County debut uh, refereeing or officiating in Orange County. I'm crazy. Don't ask me why. But anyways, let's get to the uh, let's get to the meeting. Uh, so let's we had the play of the week. So this was the play of the week. We, we got back to it, our play of the week from last week. So let's go through the play. Let's go wide on it. We're going to remind everybody what the play was. Um, you can take down the text number so we can just kind of see this wide. So we had this play. We asked a bunch of questions. A little grainy. I understand. Apologize for that. But I think there's some learning points that we can discuss here. So you saw the play. That was a review of the play. So here's what we asked for the play of the week. How many fouls do you see? So zero, 8% came up with that. One foul, 12% came up with that. Two fouls, 50%. And then three or more, 30%. So here were some of the, here were some of the comments. So uh, Jimmy, one of our guys, one of our basketball guys, who also referees football, he uh, said he's got two. Clear takedown by number 51 at the point of attack. Then with the uh, head snapping back and defense tackling the runner near the nameplate, suspect horse collar. Good observation. Tom L. He's got three. He had an offensive hold, A44, block in the back, at A, uh, A48, and a horse collar tackle, B48. Thanks for, for chiming in, Tom. Really appreciate that. And Joe V. I see two fouls, block in the back, I believe is, and a horse collar. So, all right, that's great. Um, now what we're going to do is we're going to review the play. We're going to go break down. I'm going to get out of the PowerPoint. We're going to go wide on the play, and we're going to break it down uh, play, you know, moment by moment. So we start out. We look at what we see. We've got a pretty you know, tight formation. See what happens. Kind of show run. So we got two linemen who are pulling. So that's telling us we most likely are going to have a run here. We've got this uh, player who's shot straight out into a blocking technique. We let this run. So where's our first potential? Right here. That looks like to be our first potential foul. Let's back it up. We'll look at it again. Like I said, I apologize for being a little grainy. I'm going to let that one run at full speed because it sure looks like you just kind of, you know, kind of a takedown tackle and at the point of attack. So personally, that's where I would have foul number one. I would definitely have a foul there for holding because that's point of attack and it's a takedown. And so, you know, you can say grabbing a strict and a takedown. That's what I see. So I, I've got one. In my tally, I've got one. So let's go back. We'll continue on. I don't see any blocks in the back. I don't know if this one right here, I think that's what some people might be saying might be a block in the back. I, I don't see it because it looks like it's a miss. If, if you've got a block in the back there, that's fine. I'm looking for other blocks in the back. I just don't see anything that, and like I said, it's grainy. Personally, I just don't see anything that would constitute 
a block in the back. So I'm still sitting at one foul. And now the tackle. So we have to ask ourselves, yeah, we know what the rule is. Nameplate, collar, does he yank him back? Does he take him down? Does he go backwards? I look at this, and we got a safety foul. He's got him, and he, you see that kind of pull back and then even kind of a pull towards the sideline. Personally, I would have a horse collar tackle on this from a safety standpoint because he is going back. It's, it, you can start to split hairs and say, is it going to the side? Eh, I don't think so. I think this one's close enough being a safety foul, and he does have that jerk. You know, we look for that indicator on the horse collar as the jerk. So personally, on this play, I got two fouls. That would have been my vote, two fouls. Robert, what do you have? I'm 100% with you for everything you just said. So I'm, I have two fouls. Two fouls. And uh, Mike, I'm going to go to you. Mike, what, would, what did you have? Did you have two, or did you see more? Am, am I missing something here? No, I, I, I agree on the two you've got, and that's not a block in the back because actually the guy that, that may have got touched in the back actually ended up being the one who committed the horse collar foul. So uh, I, from, my, from my point of view, I, I, you're not going to call that it's not a safety foul um, because he ends up making a play on the ball carrier anyway. Yep, and that I, I agree with you. And uh, finally, Bill, I mean, you, you saw it. We walked through it. I know a little grainy, but, I mean, do you see anything else that we're missing? No, I don't see any other fouls, but I would support the horse collar tackle. And obviously I'd support the offensive hold. So we'll be doing this down over again. Exactly. That's the next point. Thank you. You, you knew where we were going. Let's talk penalty enforcement on this. So if we do have the two fouls, let's go back to the play here real quick. We're going to go wide on it. We have the two fouls. We'll try to see what our down and distance was to start the play. It looks like we might be first and 10. It's hard to see the box. We'll just say it's, we'll say it's first and 10. So you've got a foul, you know, Bill pointed out exactly. We've got an offensive foul right here. So foul number one is right here. And uh, so that's, that's foul number one. And now we've got foul number two with the horse collar, which is a live ball foul. It's not a dead ball foul. We're going to go live ball foul on this. So there's foul number two. So we've got fouls on the offense and foul, or foul on the offense and a foul on the defense both during live ball action. So penalty enforcement says, what do we do? Well, we've got a running play. So we ask ourselves, well, we got a running play, so we've got basic spot enforcement, but however, we've got a foul on the offense, a foul on the defense. Our basic spot enforcement doesn't really apply because we're gonna have offsetting fouls. So when we go out there as a referee, we'll go, uh, come back to me so that way we can, I can have my whole camera here come to me, come to me, there we go, perfect. So when we have this, we're going to have our two fouls. We're going to have holding on the offense and then personal foul horse collar on the defense. Penalties offset, replay first down. If you have a microphone, practice that. Even if you don't have a microphone, say it out loud so that everybody hears you, at least around you, your crew. So that way, when you're saying it out loud, there's a better chance of you not screwing it up if you say something different as a referee and one of your, your, your officials hear that, they're going to go, wait a minute, no, 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 are you sure? We, 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 wanted, to, that, you know, we wanted to do this instead of that. And the other thing that it does, it gets you ready for when you are actually have a microphone, which I know in high school sometimes is rare. But when you do have that microphone, now you're ready, you're practicing it, you're ready to go and do it correctly. So, uh, Robert, any uh, comments from the text here before we move on to our uh, presentation for the night? 
No, everyone's in agreement, so uh, thank you. We're all on the same page. That's wonderful to start off this meeting. All right, perfect. So, and uh, we've got some new audio tonight, so hopefully we're sounding a little bit better. I know Robert, hopefully Robert is, uh, we've got his microphone back. <laughs> Robert's a little muffled, so hopefully we can get his, uh, hopefully you can hear Robert out there and we'll get his, uh, his microphone fixed. So, all right, so line of scrimmage tonight, line of scrimmage what we're talking about, and uh, like I said, it's going to be maybe the wings, but I want everybody to pay attention because as a crew of five in a high school game or even more, we have to all be on the same page in regards to what happens at the line of scrimmage. So here's a LOS checklist, and this is important. This is a checklist that, that the wing officials and actually all the officials should be going through in their mind after every play and until the next play. So we'll go right through it. The first checklist is, we'll start this, or the first item I should say is, the play is over and the ball is spotted. So now we're moving on to the next play. Now some, there's a new term that I've heard, and I'm going to ask Bill if, if he, he's heard this term. I've heard this term out, term out west, and I had not heard this term prior to maybe a week or two ago. Don't, you know, we don't move on to our checklist. We stay on the, the previous play until the colors separate. Now, Bill. Have you heard that term before, until the colors separate? No. No. See, that's, <laughs> I, I, that's great, because I didn't either. And I've heard that one a couple times uh, with some of the other groups that I've been uh, a part of out west. And it's like the colors separate. All right, I get that. Both teams going back to their, their respective huddles or wherever they're going to go. But it's just interesting that that's a term that, that's being set out there. I mean, that's fine. I get it. I understand what it means. So... I understand once it's ready, once you're ready to move on to the next play, you want to always officiate the play prior before you move on to the, to the next play. So that's why play is over, ball is spotted. Now we're moving on to the next play and we, we start this checklist. So what's our next item on the checklist? The box and the chains. So a lot of times if we don't have a first down, we just have the box, we're going to move the box. We need to make sure the box has a correct down. We need to make sure the box is in the correct spot. Also, if we have any penalties, we need to make sure they're enforced properly. And that is a responsibility of the entire crew. Not just the referee, not just the headlinesman, umpire, whoever. The entire crew is responsible for making sure the penalties are enforced properly. But it helps, it starts with the box and the chains because a lot of times the box and the chains, or at least the box, will be set based off and and we will walk off our penalty sometimes based off of where the box was. So it's important as we move on to the next play that we get the box correct. And if there is a first down or the chains need to be moved, change of possession, whatever it might be, that the chains are set and everything is ready to go and all penalties are enforced prior to you know, having a, the box incorrect or whatnot. The box is correct based off of whatever down we're repeating or if we're moving on, if we decline a penalty, this is important. So that's your first thing. Once the ball is spotted, we're getting, the, we're getting the box and the chains set to the right, whatever it might be. So that's checklist item number one. Now, number two, we got the subs. So now we're good to go with the chains, we're good to go with the box. Now we gotta make sure the subs are coming in and coming out properly. And that, the wing officials can help with this, Obviously, everybody's got responsibilities for counts. We're going to get to that in a second. But we need to make sure that the subs are, are, going, are doing what they're supposed to do. Remember in high school, 
You go out, you got three seconds. Three seconds, somebody's got to come in. You know, come, if you're the substitute, replace players got to you know, remove themselves from the game within three seconds. We don't have breaking the huddle with 12 in high school. Remember that. It's not, don't say that to They broke the huddle with 12. That is not a high school rule. It's important to remember because you're going to get coaches, players, fans, whatever, yelling. They broke the huddle with 12. Now, they might have broke the huddle with 12, and it is a foul because they didn't replace a player within three seconds. That's different. So it just happened to coincide with them breaking the huddle of 12. But just the fact that they break the huddle with 12 doesn't make that a foul in high school. Very important. So uh, we get the subs all set. Now we get our counts. So usually, uh, depending on what mechanics you use, umpire, referee will count the offense, the line judge, and the back judge will count the defense. Now what, what, what is the headlinesman going to do? The H, what are they going to do? Well, sometimes they count the offense, sometimes they count the defense. It depends on whatever <laughs> your governing body says from a mechanic standpoint. But most of the time, the, the, we kind of give the H a pass because they're dealing with the chains. And then if we reverse it, so that means if you're doing the flip-flop at halftime and so the L has a chains, then they get to pass in the first half because they're trying to deal, a lot of times when you deal with a high school chain crew, you've got a little bit more on your plate than maybe you would if you had a professional chain crew. So not to say that we're taking them off the hook because the H or the L, who's ever on the chains, they are responsible for a count of some sort. So, uh, and here's the other thing. In underclass games, how do we count when we have less than five officials? Don't forget, a lot of times if we do the referee and two wings with three, a lot of times what they'll do, people will do is they'll just say, you count your sideline all game. Whether you're offense or defense, you count your team that's coming on and off. I think that's a great, great technique. I like that. Because, you know, that way it doesn't matter. I'm always, if my team on my sideline is on offense, I'm counting them because I'm seeing the subs come in and out. If, when they go on defense, I see them come in and out. I'm counting them. Remember, that's with three. I'm talking with a, a three-person game. Robert, do you do things different? I like that technique. I think that, it make, that keeps it simple when you work in an underclass game. Yeah, it truly does. And, and actually just remind each other before the game even kicks off that that's what your mechanic will be. And it actually goes a lot more smoother. So I agree. I think it's a best practice. So think about that if you don't do it. It, it, it does make it easy. Um, I don't know if anybody still does the umpire, referee, and then one wing. Maybe. I mean, with the passing game nowadays, it becomes you become an ump judge and then the referee ends up becoming a line judge slash referee. I, like I said, I personally like the referee in two wings. I think that that would work. Or some people might do the umpire in two wings because they don't want to You do whatever uh, that works best for you with three. You know, it sucks when you have three, but you just got to make it work nowadays. So now we got our counts down. So we know who's counting who. Formation. That's our next item on our checklist as we go through every play. This is what we have to be doing. Line of scrimmage, guys, this falls on you. You have to look at the formation and determine if the formation is legal. Remember, high school, they changed the rule a couple years ago. They need no more than four in the backfield. So if you see five in the backfield, you have a formation foul. It's not seven on the line. It's at least five on the line. So you have to have five players on the line or no more than four in the backfield. I know it's, it, it sounds confusing, but it really isn't. If you see more than four, you, you've got an illegal formation. You're probably not going to have to worry about less than five on the line. I don't know. Unless it's just been a crazy, weird thing. I, I don't know. Mike, have you ever seen, I mean, I, we never say never in this game, but it's very rare where a team is not going to have at least five on the line. Would you agree? 
Um, yeah, it's extremely rare, but we, of course, I just did a presentation on our state clinic because we have a number of teams that are running numbering exception when they're not allowed to run numbering exception, running center snapper eligible plays. And um, that's something that as a wing official, we're probably not going to be responsible for. Um, so it's good to talk about this as a whole crew having responsibility for numbering and formation fouls. And that is right. a great, great point. That's why our umpires, you know, we're, we're saying, well, this is, well, they're not in charge of formations, our umpires, but they are. They should know what the numbering exceptions are, especially in those situations when they're allowed to have the numbering exception, which remember, is really only on fourth down. If you do it on first, second, or third, it can only be the center. And also, you have to be in a scrimmage kick formation, meaning that there has to be somebody ready to take a, a, a snap 10 yards behind the, uh, the snapper or you have somebody down in a holder position and somebody behind the holder to kick. So remember, you need those items to be able to utilize the numbering exception. Downs one, two, and three, center only, and then down four or try, you can have, uh, you can have whatever numbers as long as we've met the requirement of a scrimmage kick formation. We've talked a lot about that in the past. We've got archive meetings to go and check that. We go, we go into that in detail. Plus, we're going to have a play next week that we're going to talk about numbering exceptions that was sent in. So you want to join us next week for that as well. We'll go a little bit more into that at that time. So once we got our formations, now as a line of scrimmage and back judge, even our umpire and our referee, we have to identify our keys and our priorities. That's our next item on our checklist. We're identifying who our key and our priority is. Now we move on. Sidelines. What I mean by this is that you want to make sure your sideline is ready to go that you can officiate the play. Because now by, by this time, the coaches should have already called their plays. Everybody should be in the proper position. You should be ready to snap the ball. And when you're ready to snap the ball, in high school, nobody can be in that restricted area, which is that, that two-yard, three-yard belt behind you. You don't want anybody in that area. Now, what I'm saying is that how I officiate line of scrimmage, my peripherals. If I see somebody in my peripheral, then they're probably in the wrong spot. But if I don't, I'm not going to split the hair because I know where I stand. So there's a good chance I'm not going to do anything if I don't see him out my peripheral. If I do, this is your great chance before the ball is snapped to do some preventative officiating and say, coach, back up. Coach is back up. Just kind of give a little bit like that. And usually they hear you and they'll back up. Now, if they don't, you've got coaches in your way. You have uh, items in your toolbox at your disposal to handle that, whether it's a sideline warning or if you run into somebody you know, legal personal contact. I mean, you have items that are available to you. Try not to use them, but they're there if you need them. But you want to make sure that sideline is ready to go, that you are going to be able to officiate the play and not necessarily put your health or your safety in danger because of people who are encroaching on your space. So sidelines, we're going to do that. Now, as a ball, we're going to look for the shifts. We're going to make sure that everybody was set. We're going to see if we're going to look for our, our one second, everybody set one second, and how are our shifts? How is everybody shifting? And do they reset as necessary? This includes motion. So was everybody set and only one player goes in motion? We have to keep an eye on the motion. Now, some states and some uh, mechanics, they say that the, the motion man, person who's going away, is going to take that, the, that line of scrimmage official is going to take that player all the way until the, the snap. I don't necessarily agree with that. I like... I'm going to take them till they cross the ball. Now he's coming at the other official. And here's the reason why. Can you imagine if a guy runs all the way out, you know, on his motion, gets, gets right in front of me. He started on the, all the way on the other side, gets right in front of me and turns up. Now my buddy all the way across the field throws his flag. Optics of it 
don't look very good. And I can see it. I'm just right in front of me. I can judge on whether that player turned up prior to the snap or not. So I can call it. I think I, I think from an optic standpoint and also just from a visual like me looking at it, I'm going to get a better better look at that. Now, Bill, you've heard, you know, college and they, they've jumped this around a bunch with line of scrimmage and high school and this and that. Everybody does it a little bit differently. What's your take on it? I mean, I, I look at it as if, if that guy turns up field way across and now I'm throwing my flag, it's going to open up some questions, right? Yeah, the, the obvious question, whether the call is correct or incorrect, is why is he throwing it from 55 yards away when there's a guy three yards away? Why isn't he calling it? Um, you know, so that's their argument on it. Um, I, the guys I worked with and even myself when I worked the wing, we went just by the thing of if, if he started with his back to you on your side of the field or coming to you on your side, you took him. Once he crossed the center, he belonged to the official on the other side of the field. Now, it doesn't mean that you both can't have a flag down when it's somewhere behind the line of scrimmage and there's an issue. But but take it take it by zone, a zone area that you're responsible for uh, versus saying I'm, I'm the guy looking at his back versus his chest. No, I agree, I agree with that. So if I'm working a game, that's how I try to work it with my fellow wing official, that this is how we're going to do it in this game. So just as long as we're on the same page, everybody's got to be on the same page and we're, we're doing it properly so that way nobody misses this. All right, so now we got the motion to shift. We're going to make sure everybody's set again. Everybody's got to be set for one second. Obviously a motion man, as long as everybody was set prior to the player going in motion, then you're good. And they don't, as long as they don't turn up field prior to the snap, as we just discussed, but now everybody else has got to be set. If we had a shift, everybody's got to be set. So that's another thing on, the, on our checklist. We want to make sure everybody's set. And we saw our set for one second. So now we got the snap. Now, a lot of times we've heard, what do we do? Snap, tackle, back. Well, snap, tackle. And I heard this the other day. I like this. Snap, tackle, point of attack. Because sometimes it's not the back. You go snap, tackle, back. And nowadays, backs and even tackles will throw you for a loop. We're going to show you some plays where it might look like one thing and ends up being another. Because... Coaches and offensive line coaches specifically have gotten smart as they, when they played, you know, they were taught run. You, if you, you know it's a run. If you see the lineman shoot out, you know it's a pass. If you see him go back. Well, now they do this new zone blocking uh, techniques where they might still look like they're pass blocking, but it's really a run, and they're just kind of riding the defender wherever they go, and the back is going to choose the hole that works best for them. So point of attack, snap, tackle, go to the point of attack because that's where, where we need to officiate. And sometimes a back isn't going to take us there. But if you still do snap, tackle, back too, that's going to probably take you to the point of attack more times than not. But just walk through that snap and then the tackle is going to help us maybe. And then we're going to go to the point of attack. The other thing we've got is Bill and I have talked about this many times on the best practice video, pause, read, and react. A lot of times old school line of scrimmage officials, they read past, they're gone. No, we don't want to do that. We want to pause. We want to read the play and react and move accordingly. Does that mean you might need to move downfield? Possibly. But I've said this a hundred times. Most high school passes are in about a three to 15 yard belt. So from the line of scrimmage, you can see 15 yards. I mean, you can turn, you've got, you, you got, you keep your angle. You move down, you get straight line, you got players coming at you. Plus with the run pass option nowadays that everybody likes to do. They throw that swing pass. If you started to lead the line of scrimmage, you are in, you're going to be looking out for your knees more than you are going to be officiating. So 
My suggestion is you pause, read, react, see what happens, and then move accordingly. Nobody has ever said, don't move. We've never said that here at MIBT Online. We just say move with a purpose. Move as necessary. Sometimes you don't need to move. And I know, like I said, old school mechanics 20 years ago, you read past five to seven, you flow five to seven. Well, you might need to flow five to seven, just don't do it right away without actually seeing what's happening with the play. So continuing on our checklist, don't forget, now we've done all this stuff, don't forget that we have to officiate the play. And this is an important point. And I'm going to bring Robert in on this. Because Robert, I think sometimes we get caught up in mechanics and where we're supposed to be looking and this and that, that we actually forget to officiate the play. The play's coming to you. We don't want to officiate error. We want to make ourselves useful. Sometimes we have to adjust. Sometimes our key and priority isn't where we're going to go. Sometimes we're not even going to go to the zone maybe we're supposed to go to because something else is going to catch our attention as an official that we need to officiate. And I think sometimes people forget about that. Would you agree that sometimes we forget to actually officiate? Yeah, I think it, it, newer officials for certain, you know, they get caught up in the mechanics and where they should be looking and forget about the action that's literally in their zone. So, yes, that's a great reminder. Officiate football. That's the game that we're out there uh, earning our paycheck to do. Right. Officiate the play. Don't forget that. So finally, now we're officiating the play. We're going to spot the ball. If you're a wing official, you're going to spot the ball. Sometimes a back judge might spot the ball on a long run or pass. You know, or tell where, or at least help their line of scrimmage officials where to go. If you have seven, you might, you know, have, you might have a deep wing or, or something like that help you spot the ball if you're the short wing. But yeah, spot the ball. That's the next thing that we're going to do after the play is over. We need to spot the ball. Kill the clock if applicable. How many times have we seen officials? We get to the first down. We've, we've passed the line again. Don't kill the clock. They've got a penalty. They don't kill the clock. They threw the penalty. They don't kill the clock. Bill, I mean. For countless years of the videos that we've done, how many times do we see people forget to do this basic of kill the clock? It happens a lot, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It almost gets redundant when we have a change of possession and and we're not killing the clock. We have uh, you know situations where officials are just they're around people, they're they're watching things, but mechanically they're not doing the things they need to do. Uh, basic thing of stop the clock when it needs to be stopped. Yep, it's basic, so don't forget to do that. So here's the other thing now, situational awareness. So we've killed the clock or we are having situational awareness. And what does that mean? Was there a penalty on the play? Is there a helmet off? Is there an injured player? Is there something else going on? Is somebody calling time out? Here's the other great thing about that, that takes you from this level and moves you up to this level. Those game situational awareness times where you know the coach wants a timeout and you're looking, you're, you're, you're still officiating out there, but you got that ear, that other eye, you're waiting to see out of the corner of the eye, the coach call the timeout because you know, knowing the game of football, this is a, a time where they're gonna probably want a timeout based off a of game, you know, what's going on in the game. And being ready to call that, it's gonna show you're right on it. And uh, Mike, you know a lot of times, when you watch games, I'm sure when you see officials and they're right on that, they're, they see it, they know those game situations or they're, they're looking around and, and that situational awareness in, the, in that period, that, that does elevate that person to that next level. Absolutely. You know, most times a quality wing official, a high level wing official will already have a penalty decision from a coach before the referee has even got the full report because he understands that the penalty is on the defense, it's on the offense, score differential, time in the game. All of that influences what coaches' likely um, decision-making process is going to be. And if we officials can think what the coach might be thinking, 
we can really help the crew and save a lot of time and save our referee uh, efficiency wise. So there you go. So situational awareness. Now, our one of our final things was we dead ball officiating. We can't forget to dead ball officiate. Once the play is over, our situational awareness tells us if we got a penalty, a helmet off this, but we also are looking around and doing our dead ball officiating. Sometimes that's a vocal presence, a visual presence. You want to get there. You want people to know you're there. If you're the person who's covering the spot or the ball, you want to have that good dead ball officiating. And if you're at backside, you're keeping your head on a swivel. You're looking at for the things that are going to maybe cause you problems down the road. Don't forget to dead ball officiate once that ball has become dead. So we're going to go to the video now. We got some video plays to discuss, but before I do that, we kind of went through 20 minutes of a presentation here talking about line of scrimmage checklist. Robert, does people have any comments or questions before we move to the video about some of the stuff that we might have gone over? Well, there's just, there's just so much, and the viewers are engaged. And this is great. We're talking about, you know, actually uh, the line of scrimmage and so many elements in the officiating. But some of the things the viewers are bringing up, and just I'm just going to relay a few of them. One is to remind each crewmate if we're at fourth down with the mechanic signal to each crewmate to know that we're going to have a clock stopper at the end of the down. Uh, that's something that we need to be mindful of, of course. And, uh, you know, for wing officials, best practices and knowing where the first down marker is going to be, right? So if you're at the 42 and, and, and you're going in, it's going to be the 32, things like that. So they're sharing a lot of best practices. And also, this is a very important one, Tim. A viewer commented about the importance of numbering, right? We, we know that's legal formation if there's more than four players in the backfield, but it's also a legal formation if we don't have five players numbered 50 through 79 on the line of scrimmage, right? So they're bringing up these elements to it. Uh, so great comments and by these viewers, and thank you for being engaged tonight. So we're going to get to the video, hopefully. Hopefully it's not freezing up here. But one of the things that I want to discuss here real quick is, you know, we talk about fourth down, we're killing the clock, and this signal, okay? Everybody does this. I guess, actually, I think the, the mechanics book shows it like this. Hopefully I didn't hit my mic. Um, or you do, you know, so they do it different in different parts of the country. But remember that if you've got this signal, what does this signal indicate? And I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to Mike. If I'm doing like the double stay signal, however you're doing it, what, what are we, what does that indicate? What are you, what are you saying? There's more than 10 yards, more than 10 yards to go before they get the first down. So don't kill the clock just because they passed a stake. You've got to make sure you know the line to gain. And in that case, they have to cross two stakes before we can award a first down. So one of my pet peeves is that when people do this on fourth down, because it doesn't matter. It does not matter. We are, doesn't matter if we have double stakes. We're killing the clock after fourth down, regardless. So don't do this on fourth down because that tells me you don't really know what this signal means. This signal is telling you you don't want to kill the clock because we have a, set, a first stake instead of a second stake. Fourth down, it doesn't matter. So it's just, it's just one, of my, one of my little pet peeves on, on that. So, uh, all right, let's go. I think we got the video up and running. So let's go to our first play. So we, we've been talking about our checklist. Now we're going to try to put this in a practical uh, point of view. And I'm glad that the viewers made some of the comments. They were already like they knew what I was going to talk about, which is great. I give them, I give them a lot of credit on that because it's like these are things, those were very important things that you also have to remember. And you might see some of this as we move forward in our plays. So let's go wide on the play. So we're already out of it. We've already gotten through part number one through the first part of our checklist. Now we're at the formation part. We're seeing if we got a legal formation. We've got one. It looks like we, we do. Now here's the other thing is like this right here, up here. Now 
I like to use the blade of grass uh, type of, especially when the wider they're out, the easier it is to kind of fudge this. I don't want to split a hair on this. I can tell that one person is on and one person is off. So to me, looking at this formation, I'm going to, I'm going to count for it in the backfield because I can see exactly what's going on here. This is my player number one in the backfield. This is my player number two, player number three, and player number four. So I've got my four in the backfield. Doesn't look like we have any numbering exceptions in here. So I think we're good there. We got our, our at least five on the line. So it looks like we're good there. We've got an end and we got an end. So now we, we're going to identify our keys and priorities, which we've done that many times. We can see that nobody's being pressed. So we're going to probably go to zone right away. So now let's let the play go. So now let's, we got a motion. So this is what we talked about before. We have a player in motion. Who's going to be responsible for this player in motion? The line of scrimmage official at the bottom of the screen is going to start out, at least in, in, in my book and what Bill was saying. Now, maybe you're going to take him all the way in your part of the country or whatever, but I'm going to take him till he crosses the center, and then I'm going to release him to my buddy on the top of the screen. So he goes. Now, the ball is snapped. So this is pretty easy. The ball was snapped. If I, and, you know, Bill was talking about kind of being in the middle in no man's land. So if this guy turns up here, yeah, you might get a flag from here, and you might get a flag from here. That's no problem because he's kind of in the middle. He just passed the center, but obviously this, this player doesn't do anything. He's, he's parallel to the line, so we're good. So now look at, our, look at our alignment. So we talk about snap, tackle, point of attack, or if you go snap, snap tackle back. Our linemen kind of stand up. They're shooting out a little bit, maybe, but they're also kind of standing up. So I'm, if, I am a, if I'm the line of scrimmage official, I'm still trying to read. I'm still in my pause, read, and react mode here because I don't know 100% what we got yet. So now it looks like we got a potential handoff here. So maybe I'm, this is where the back might help to, to peek at the back because we have a potential handoff, but we also have linemen who haven't gone downfield and we have receivers in the pattern. So could he pull this back, run pass option, and throw the ball? Absolutely he could. So this is one of those times where I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to put myself in a bad position as an official on the line of scrimmage. I'm holding it. As an umpire, I don't know if I'm coming up to the line yet. I mean, this guy's pretty far back, but I don't know if I'm coming up to the line yet because I've got a lot of traffic here. Referee, I'm probably still watching this action from behind. So here we go, and now we've got a running play. So now we're asking ourselves, what happens now? As a line of scrimmage official, we are on the line. We now just have this, this runner across the line of scrimmage. What's going to happen? We can't have a forward pass now. If we do, it's going to be an illegal forward pass. We know that because we've passed the line of scrimmage. We have to have that situational awareness. We have to know where our line to gain is. We should have known that at the beginning of the play. We're at the 41. How I do it, I play little games with me because I don't, you know, math. I don't want to think, well, we're going over the, I'll go 51 in my mind. Am I going to tell somebody we got to get to the 51? No, because I'm going to be like, there is no 51. But I'm going 41-51 in my head so I know I got 50 plus 1 or you can say it that way, 50 plus one. So if I'm working on the wings, I'm, I know where my line of gain is, 50 plus one, 51. So as we roll through this, we can see we're down well short of the line of gain. Now watch our officials. They're lined up as wing officials. You, we wanna try to mirror our spots as much as possible. Come in, put the hand up, dead ball, dead ball signal. They added that in high school a few years back now. Dead ball signal, now, you know, they talk about the colors separate, 
you know, they're saying now everybody's kind of separating. I'm going to kind of lose it there at the end of the play. But you see everybody's kind of going their own way. Now we move on. Situational awareness. Do we have a penalty? Do we have a, a helmet off? Do we have a loose ball? Do we have a change of possession? Do we have something like that? Do we have something where we have to kill the clock? Do we have to, how do we move the box? Do we move the box now? A lot of times a, a, a technique I use is I put my hand in the air for the dead ball, and then I tell the box man when I go to a different number on my hand, that's my indication to you that you can move. I'm going to the next down. If I keep my hand up there or I'm killing it and I'm not waving you, hold your position because I'm probably looking for something else. I'm not going to the next down until I know we're ready to go. So that's, that's a technique that, that, that I use. You can use whatever technique works best for you. So now we're moving on to our dead ball officiating and everybody's going back and we're, and we're going to wait for our umpire to spot the ball. We're going to move the chains and make sure, or I'm sorry, move the box and make sure we're ready to go for our next play. So pretty simple. So now let's go, and speaking of next plays, let's go to our next play here. We'll get this up and ready. Before I do that, any questions, Robert, or any comments? There are some questions and comments, Tim, and boy, I don't want to contradict anyone, uh, especially from a state association, but there's a little bit of discussion on the, on the um, text concerning if players are on or off the line of scrimmage and how hyper-technical they should be. Go ahead. Be hyper-technical. Throw those fouls all day long. Please, do them, and you're going to be there all day. And it's, I mean, I'm going to talk, because I know Bill's got a good take on this. Bill, you know, the blade of grass thing, hyper-technical, illegal formation, that's, I, you hate that foul, don't you? Oh, yeah. I, I have a simple solution to it is, is that if you got an eligible number on limit, they, you have the number of eligible numbers that you can have, that's who the defense is going to cover on a pass play. They're not covering 71, okay? So I don't care whether they're on or off, personally. Now, you can look at that one there, and you can, like you said, that one, one player, you can say he's a blade of grass back. You know he's supposed to be in the backfield. Well, if you look at where his feet are and you look at where the two tackles are, that guy is way further up than the two tackles are. And they're not down in a three-point stance. They're, they're up. But the feet of those people uh, are, are back further than that slot receiver is. But, but does the defense care? They're, they're covering the slot guy. They I know where it. the tackles are. Leave it alone. I mean, talk to the co players, talk to the coaches if it's bugging you. But how many times do you want to call this formation foul tonight that has absolutely no impact on a play? Right. I, I need to say something. Yeah, go, I, need, right, I, I need to say something. So viewers, because we're getting a lot of chatter on this, Tim. We're getting a lot of chatter. I respect Bill. I respect Bill. I expect, respect his experience. <laughs> Uh, and I and I also appreciate what Tim just said too. If you want to call it, viewers, you you earn your paycheck. But listen, this is Bill Lamagne here telling you what uh, his best practice is. So that Shame I would just send it there. Well, and and that's just it. I mean, do what your supervisor tells you. Do what your state. If your state association wants you to call this, by all means, call it. Am I going to call it as a wing official at any level? No, I'll let Mike. Mike. Are you going to call that where you're at, no. just to get a different perspective? No, no. I mean, I, I, I am a little bit technical on the tackles being too far back because that does gain an advantage. If, if I can see daylight between the rear, the rear end of the center and the tackle, uh, you know, that, that's something that gives them an advantage on a passing down. But 
that if I see any kind of stagger, I mean, the defender, the defensive backs are going to cover that guy. They're not going to think he's covered. They're not going to think he's ineligible. So it's what Bill was saying. There's no, there's no effect on this play. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. If I, if go I ahead, Bill. Add too, in, in all the years I officiated, I don't care if it was high school, small college, major college, never once have I ever heard it become an issue you know, they might say, hey, did you talk to that kid about getting up on the line more, that guy getting back more? That's all they ever asked. They never got honest. They never, we never got downgraded for just passing on those situations. You know, they don't, it's a game interrupter. So I'll just take that, put it in your back pocket or don't put it in your back pocket. It's up to you. We'll go to our next play now. And this is one where, Okay, I can understand maybe people who, who really want to get technical can, can look at some things. Let's go wide on this play. So same thing. We're going to look at our down and distance. It's third down. Well, it looks to be about seven. Third down and seven. And we've got, you know, our, our seven on the line. Looks like we got our four in the backfield. But this player right here, right here, this player right there, he's our fourth in the backfield. But there's some who might question is he in what is called no man's land, meaning he is not a back or he's not on the line. So is this legal? And once again, I go back to our first discussion. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fish for this one. This is not this is a minnow to me. This is not a shark. It's very clear what the formation is. This guy is in the back. He's a, you know or he's he's in the backfield. Is his head a little close? Maybe, but. I'm not, I'm not going with this. I'm staying away from this one. I'm going to say I got four in the backfield and seven on the line. But for those of you who, say, who go to the rule book and pull it out and say, hey, it doesn't say if he's not a back or he's not, or he's not a, uh, an end or on the line, then we have an issue. So just keep that in mind. But on a formation like this, I see this. This is a minnow to me. It's not a shark. I very rarely, I think, 99.9% .9 of the time, a coach is not going to say a word about this. Or like Bill was saying, you're not going to even, no one's even going to notice it. How did I even notice it? So just keep an eye on that and think about it. This is, in my mind, this is a legal formation. And if somebody has something else to say, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So then we're going back to the play. So we know our down and distance is. We're going through our checklist. We've got our seven aligned, four in the backfield. Everybody is set, so here's the play. Looks like everybody's shooting out. I've got, looks like a running play to me. So snap, tackle, tackles are showing runs. Looks like a run, feels like a run, it is a run. So now let's look at what happens. So we've got a play, looks like a few yard gain, and then our, our officials come in and, and kill it. Now why are they killing it? So let's go back and look at the down. So it's third down, like I said, in seven. So if our officials are killing this play, they've got something. They've either got, doesn't look like, I didn't see a beanbag, so it doesn't look like a change of possession, but maybe a helmet is off, maybe a player is injured, because why would they be killing this? But here's another reason why, a potential reason, why they might kill it, at least the umpire, why he might kill it, because I want you to watch the box again. So... We talked about it earlier about how one of the techniques I like to use with the box, and I want to talk to him before the game. Look, this box has already changed the fourth down. It's already moving. What if there's a foul? What if the referee over here with, out of the frame or the back judge has a foul, and now this box has already moved? We're kind of in trouble here. Or maybe the umpire 
who should know it's third going to fourth, now looks up and sees fourth down and says, did I miss it down? I got to kill the clock. That was just fourth down. So my advice is to talk to your box person and make sure that they are moving appropriately because this can screw up a crew. Robert, would you agree that if, if the box moves like this and we got something that just happened, you know, they're killing the clock. We could have a penalty, we could have this, we could have that. We could be in trouble now. You're not a kid. I mean, we are human and Saturday was like 105 degree heat index, you know. <laughs> Your, your, uh, your focus may be a little tainted. So yes, you got to have that chain crew be on the same page and be patient with the uh, instruction that of the linesman. Yeah, because this could, this could impact us. Because now we might think it was fourth down or we might think it is fourth down or we're going to repeat fourth. If you have a foul and you see four on the box, even if you figure out where we were coming from, you might go to fourth down and we, could be we should be repeating third down. So this is something to be aware of. And actually, this is everybody. It's not just the line of scrimmage officials. All officials on the field need to be aware of this. And if, the, if you're the official at the bottom of the screen, whether you're line judge or, or, or H, depending on what time of the game, and you see this, get on your O2O. You might want to say, hey, the box is moving a little quick because I might not see it behind me. I might, I might not realize what's going on. Referee, you might see this as well. So um, before we move on to the next page or next play, Robert, uh, any more chatter on anything, disagreement? I mean, I want to hear what people have to say. It's not, we're not trying to preach up here. We want this to be an open discussion, and we might not always agree, but we want to make sure that we're at least giving everybody a chance and giving, giving the proper information so that way we can try to all be on the same page as much as possible. Yeah, John Howie Hughes uh, is sharing the best practice that he instructs his uh, chain crew, and that is, you know, the one with the box that uh, only move when he instructs them to move. And when they do move, move to the uh, forward progress point. Then he'll tell them what down to change it to. So it's a, it's a two-step process. No, that, that's a best practice. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. So that might work for you. And that can keep everybody on the same page. All right, let's go to our next play. We're going to go wide. Go wide on there. And so now we're looking at down and distance. It's, it's just underneath the banner, but we're going to say it's first and 10. So we're going to roll through this. We're looking at our formation. What does our formation look like? Now, we could go back to that previous discussion. You get a little better shot of this one because you're looking right down. Here's your tackles, all right? Actually, it's second and 10. I, I apologize. It's second and 10. You see our tackles here. If I see our tackles in two-point stances and it's second and 10, I know what I'm thinking. I'm going to go to Mike. Mike, it's second and 10. You're working a line of scrimmage. Heck, you're working a back judge position to either one, and you see Two-point stance, second and 10 by the lineman. What are you thinking? I'm thinking pass. Yeah, I'm thinking pass. Yeah, absolutely. That's game awareness. That's being aware of the game. So I'm thinking pass on this one. So going back to kind of like Bill was saying, if I've got this guy on the line, this guy on the line, slot one, slot two, quarterback back. Well, is this guy really in the slot? Is he breaking the... The tackle? Is the tackle legal? I think the, I think the line is legal because it looks like they're breaking... You know they're breaking the uh, the butt of the center here, the waistline of the center. It looks it, they look close from from what I can tell enough to where I'm probably not going to go uh, anything. And and sometimes camera angles can be you know kind of a little deceiving because we're looking down, but we're trying to we're looking pretty much down this line. So once again, I I don't I see enough here to where I know who my four backs are, and I think the defense knows who their four backs are, and I don't think you're going to get any flack on this one. If you think that this back should be further back 
then maybe it's a talk to. Maybe it's a preventative officiating situation. If you think this tackle needs to be moved up, maybe it's a talk to. If you don't think they're good enough and you've had enough and you want to throw, and you want to earn your 77, 85, whatever you make, then you throw. I'm not throwing on this one, but one thing I will tell you, I want to go back to me here real quick because go why? Because I want to, a lot of times when a receiver comes up, they'll point, they'll point, go back to that shot, go back to that shot, go back to the, yeah. They'll point that they're on the line or they'll put their hands and say they're a back, okay? A lot of times, go back, we'll go back to the play. That's what these guys might be doing when they come out to you. They may be saying, they may put their hand out, I'm this, and this guy might put his hand out like that. So I like to say to them, I go, I, I like to communicate with the players. I don't coach them. I tell them where they're at. A lot of guys are like, I'm the line, I'm the line. That is what, I don't like that. You want to do it that way? You do it that way. I tell them where they're at. So go back wide on the play. The guy on the, who's coming out to me on the end, I st he looks at me. I say, you're on the line. And then he'll come back to me here real quick. I'll go, you're on the line. And then the other guy will go, you're back. That's all I tell him. You're on the line. You're back. Did I coach them? Am I telling them to move up? Am I telling them that they need to back up? No. You're on the line. You're back. Or you're back and you're back. Oh, I need to get on the line. Okay, well, then you move up on your own. I just tell you where I think you're at based off of your communication with me. And even if they don't communicate, I still think that. He's on the line. He's back. I go through that mentally. So I know he's on the line. He's back. Robert, I see you. I see you over there. Right, what do you got, Robert? Yeah, you know what? This is, a, this is actually more important than it, of a topic than some officials may, may recognize it being important. I've had, uh, since I assigned for a conference, I have head varsity coaches that actually complain to me about crews because, and the, the entire crew, it can only be maybe one official on the crew that's doing it, but the one official on the crew says, I'm on the line. I'm on the, the coaches don't like that. They don't like that because that's not helping them understand where their players are lined up on the line, near the line of scrimmage, if they are supposed to be on or off. They know where their players are to be in formation. But the takeaway is this. Do what, just, what Tim just said. You know, I used to 21 on, three off. And that lets them know because sometimes, you know, you're on, you're off. They may not know if there's slots or trips or whatnot. But I let them know the number. You're off. 21, you're on. And that uh, coaches love it. Something as simple as that. They know that you're communicating with their players and that you're trying to make it so that uh, they have a legal formation. Very important. Well, and a lot of times you'll get the argument from some senior veteran officials. I'm not coaching these kids. I'm not telling them where they're at. I, it's up to them uh, to figure it out. Bill, what's your, been your take on that over the years? Because I'm sure you've heard that. You know, guys are like, I'm the line. Or I am the line. You figure it out. It's not up to me to tell you. Um, I, I'm just not a big fan of that. No, I think the best officials I've worked with over the years uh, pretty much did it the way you prescribed earlier, just to say, hey, you're on, you're back. You know, those type of communications. And again, you're not telling them to move because uh, if they move uh, because you told them something and now that happens when the ball's being snapped, you're going to get blamed for the false start or, or the foul. So again, just, just communicate with them where you have them. Um, and that's one of the things too, when, when uh, you're communicating with players, whether it's before the game, use that, use that time wisely. 
and communicate and start developing a, a rapport on how you're going to communicate with the wideouts and the slots and things of that nature or with the coach. But um, no, just um, just tell them where they're at. And then it's a, if they're if they want to move, it's it's their prerogative. Well, so, and that's, the, best, the best officials do it that way. Well, and you're absolutely right. Like, that's why I'm not telling him. He goes, the, the great one is, hey, am I good? Well, I, I don't know how good you are. I mean, your, your, your parents might think you're good. I, you might be really bad. So that, that, am I good? No, you're on or you're off or you're, you're, you're yeah. an end or you're, you know, you're, you're back because then you're, if, if he says, hey, I'm supposed to be on and you go, all right, move up, move up. And then they stamp the ball. Like you said, it puts us in that trick bag. Hey, you, he told me to move up. No, if I say you're an end or you're, you're on or you're off, I just told him where he was. It's up to him, it's up to, him to move. And, and determine used, where he's supposed to be. We used to have a lot, even though we didn't have radios in this era, uh, because teams were huddling all the time and that we used to have a lot of time to communicate and get tackles to move up or get get slots to make sure they were back or and things of that nature with communication. Because you had time when a play was coming in to talk to kids in the huddle. Uh, today, with the game being quicker than it is and a lot of them going no huddle, uh, it's sometimes harder to communicate between plays. But at the same time, try and get to these kids, get to the coach. If, if it needs to be corrected, if you need to tell a player, tell a coach uh, and get the word to him. And now if there's a problem later on and it does become a foul, uh, the coach said he was going to fix it, and obviously he didn't. So it's on him, not me. No, I think that's, I think that's great advice. Robert, you had your hand in the air. Yeah, just to kind of circle back to this um, previous discussion, if we can switch gears back on um, – Snap, tackle, point of attack. We have a viewer that has a legitimate question here. If, if they have the key that's um, uh, on their side, a wing official has the key on their side, where their most eligible receiver is being pressed, then does that change their focus or rhythm, Tim? That's the question. Well, then, we talked about that earlier, about your key and priority. And we've talked about it before in regards to when you come off your key, and go to a zone or go to the tackle and then the point of attack. Well, if your key is, is, has a competitive matchup, there's competitiveness because somebody's up with them, we're going to have to stick with that because that's our key. If that's our key or our priority, we have to stick with that until they separate or until we know that now we can go to a zone coverage or then shift our attention to the point of attack. A lot of times it's going to happen pretty quickly. And as wing officials, it's very difficult to be a wing I will, uh, it's funny, I didn't, you know, I refereed for a long time, then I moved to the wing, and then I went back to referee, and I realized how important it is to have good wing officials, because there is so much going on out there, especially in the high school level. Yeah, you might have to go with this and then come back. You might have to sneak with this, and hopefully, at some point, if that becomes a point of attack, that's now a second level block, and you can pass that block off to your back judge. Or you might stay with it and then hope your referee and umpire get the tackle or the back that's shooting out. But you might have to get both. That's why we make our 77 bucks. But yes, to answer your question specifically, if your key or priority is pressed and it requires you to officiate that, you stay with that until you can come off it. Yes, Robert. One, one last question, because I know this meeting's going, going really well. When you have a pass to your zone in the backfield, you want the wing to move back with that uh, receiver that's uh, the pass is being thrown toward depends depends okay it depends and the reason is is that depends on the pass if it's a forward pass you know it's a forward pass you're judging it a forward pass then yeah 
you can slide to the backfield and let the swing man come out in front of you to protect your knees and keep that angle so you can officiate in front of the play and the point of attack. No need to watch the runner run. The line of scrimmage is no longer an issue because you can only have one forward pass on a play. So once you've got that first forward pass, line of scrimmage is not an issue anymore because now if the ball gets thrown, we've got a second forward pass, which makes it illegal. We know that. We don't even have to worry about it. But if it's a backward pass or a lateral sideways, and you, you don't know, you don't know uh, you're not 100% sure you might go backwards or sideways, you might still have to hold because now you have a second pass that might come into play. So you might have to stand that line of scrimmage because you might have line of scrimmage responsibility. Now, if everything comes at you, even if you might have that second pass, yeah, self-preservation. You're going to try to back up or you're going to move to the back and hopefully your official on the other side will hold the line for you. So that way, if you've got that potential, you know, flip forward, this or that, that somebody will be there to rule on that because you do have to protect yourself. That's the most important thing. We want to move back and officiate off the field. But at some point, we also have to protect our needs because we all have to go to work on Monday. So it, it's just important. It just depends. But yeah, if it's a forward swing pass and you know it, yeah, slide back, keep your angle, keep it in front of you. So we're going to go back to the play one more time because, uh, and then we'll finish up with this play and go to our play of the week. But we talked about uh, sideline and like that was part of the checklist. So look at our official down here at the bottom. See what he's doing? He can see this coach out of his peripheral, and he's got his hand up. You know, he's, he could, he's probably telling him, Coach, back up. He's watching. He's still officiating, but he's probably saying, Coach, Coach, back up. Now, look what happens. I want you to watch the official and watch the coach. So now, look, Coach gets mad about something, and now he sees something else, and now somebody over here is calling a timeout. And look at the, the, the official is ruling timeout because somebody on the defense didn't like what they saw and they called a timeout. That's situational awareness. That's an official who's hearing what's going on. He's still focused in on the ball, telling guy back up, knows something's going on and he hears it. He's still watching the ball, but here's the timeout. Knows the ball hasn't been snapped, knows who his designated coach is and calls a timeout. Now I know here comes the question. The question is, and I'll end with Mike on this one. Well, what if it, the assistant coach calls a timeout? It's not the head coach. Do you grant it? I say it depends. <laughs> if I know that they want the timeout and it's pretty obvious, I'll, I'll probably give it to them and say, I thought, the he- I thought I heard the head coach say a timeout. And if, you know, that's how I'll explain it if I really know it. But be careful with that because you don't want to call a timeout and then the head coach goes, I didn't call a timeout. But, uh, Mike, how, how, how would you handle a situation like that? Well, one thing I like to do is identify the coordinators of the offense and defense. And many times it won't be the head coach responsible for a timeout. It'll be his coordinator that would be responsible. So I don't differentiate. If there's an adult coach that's outside of my field of view, but is getting in my ear telling me to call a timeout, I'm going to grant a timeout. Um, They can't really complain. Um, You know, they can talk to their assistant about why did he call timeout. So just to be clear, the rules say what the rules say. You do what you want with it. I'm not telling you to violate the rule. If you want to make sure it's a head coach or designated whoever, absolutely, you're supported 100% by rule, or you can use some common sense. So before we go to the play of the week, I'm going to throw it over to Robert just because make sure we didn't, anybody, any last questions or anything on the text here that we need to, need to clarify. No, the, no, the viewers are loving it. We're good, Tim. We're Let's good go to, to go. That play of the week. All right. So now it's time for this week's MIBT Online Play of the week. Yeah, we always love this one. So 
Let's go wide on this one. I want to thank Mike from Pennsylvania for sending this one in again. Mike is the, the, the video vault. I love Mike. He sends lots of plays. So we've got second down, four. We're talking about our line of scrimmage stuff. Maybe it's going to be applicable. All right, we got, looks like maybe a pass play. Here it is. All right, run, Johnny, run. Oh, what do we got there? Hmm, I don't know. All right, let's watch that again real quick. Here we go. What do we got? Oh, we got something there. Hmm. So, play of the week. Is this a foul for hurdling? Yes or no? That simple. That play, is it a foul for hurdling? You can email me, Tim, at MIBTmedia.com. We're going to have the poll on Twitter maybe tonight or by first thing in the morning. You can take the poll on Twitter as well. Officially speak. You can just email me. You can say, Tim, this is what I think. You can comment in the YouTube. You can do whatever you need to do. Let us know what you think. Is this a play or is this a foul for hurdling? Yes or no. So that is our meeting for, uh, for tonight. So stay tuned for the extra. We'll be here in a minute. But I want to, before we get to that, I want to thank everybody. If they want, if people have to go, I understand it's a, it's a little bit after eight. So I, but we're going to have our extra here in a moment. But I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. I want to thank Mike. Mike Billica, thank you for being here. Appreciate it very much. Hey, great session. It's always good to get back to fundamentals. All right. Awesome. And then I want to thank uh, Bill. Bill, thank you for being here. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> no, I won't. But uh, my comment basically on your when you say game awareness is think like a coach, don't act like a coach. There you go. I love it. That's great <laughs> advice. Think like a coach, don't act like a coach. And I'm going to, before I go to Robert, that's pretty good advice, right? Alex, Alex is in the control room tonight. You guys control him. Think like a coach, don't act like a coach. You're going to, you're going to take that when you go, uh, when you go out, uh, out today, out and about. Oh yeah. You know, that, that's valuable advice for me, especially <laughs> being in the control room, you know, having to yell at Robert across the, you know, the panel, I, I got to stop coaching, you know? Yeah. Think, think like a coach. Don't act like one. And Robert, thank you for being here. Any uh, last minute uh, comments or questions or anything like that? Yeah, there is one last question and it's related to if, um, is there a delay a game penalty if the wrong coach request a timeout is is what's being asked i have an answer but if you want to answer it too. no go ahead uh, go ahead go ahead oh here's here's my my take on it uh viewer is this you know it takes some ownership in the game you have you have a responsibility it takes two to 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 participate right so make sure you have the correct coach uh requesting the timeout and if you deemed that it was not the correct coach take a little ownership my mistake we're going you know let your crew know we're going i i don't want to throw a foul on a situation that i as an official was a, a part of that uh, erroneous judgment you know yeah so there you go thanks for listening to the mibtonline.com podcast join today at mibtonline.com we'll catch you next time